Hey guys, thank you so much for joining the Think Realty Podcast. I'm Eddie Wilson, founder of Think Realty, and it's my privilege to be the podcast host. Um, I kicked Avi off. I was tired of seeing him. I decided I'd just do it myself. I'm just joking. Uh, we'll get Avi back someday. But we've got a great guest for you today, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I want to say a quick thank you to our podcast uh, sponsor, which is Real Property Management. Real property management will put more money in your pocket versus take it out as all good property managers will do. Can I tell you the secret to owning rental properties? I've got around 4,000 doors and the secret is property management. Well, maybe finding good deals too, but real property management uh, can help you and you can find out more about them at realpropertymgt, that's realpropertymgt.com. We've got Chris Ragland on the show. No uh, stranger to the Think Realty universe. Not at all. Megaverse, whatever it is, multiverse. And, um, and so I'm glad you joined us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah. as always to be here. It's another Think Realty event. And yeah, it's just exciting. It's good to see familiar faces, but also the new faces. Yeah. People getting in the industry and they're like, is now a good time? And I'm like, <laughs> it's always a good time. Yeah. Depends on what side of the deal yeah. you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you in a month or two. Right, right. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, cool. So the market's kind of crazy. Well, first of all, let's, let's, uh, Chris is long time. He's helped me on the APL side with legislation. He's helped me on Think Realty with legislation, investor, yep. uh, everything from real estate to private equity. You've kind of done it all, operations, led your own organization. You've just done a bunch of stuff yeah. all over the place. Is that enough of like context for them? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Probably so. I mean, look, I've been in real estate or real estate related, which means also finance yeah. uh, businesses for over two decades. Wow. I just thought about this the other day and I was like, wow, I've been doing this you know, since pre 9-11 mm-hmm. um, and I was like, oh, that's over 20 years ago. Yeah, um, that's, man, that's, that's a long believe, time. Yeah. yeah, that's a long time to have been in real estate and yeah. finance. And yeah, along the way, started different companies and everything from very big institutions to small startups mm-hmm. and, and everything in between. It's yeah. been a really exciting career so that's far. Awesome. Yeah, always crushing it. Always enjoy, you know, running to a Delta Sky Lounge from periodically, <laughs> but anyways. I know. As soon as you like, as lot. soon as you posted that picture of Austin, Texas, I was like, I know that. That's in the Delta <laughs> Sky Lounge. But it's true. It's so funny. True story. So let's jump into maybe the the thousand pound gorilla that you know I, I've had a lot of people not really want to talk about, and mm-hmm. I think it's because they don't feel like they have a depth of knowledge enough to dissect down what the issues are. Um, the banking industry is in disarray, and we're also still raising interest rates which I think is an interesting narrative because if, you know, my perspective would be is that uh, Jerome Powell, the, the, you know, Federal Reserve would be very delicate after we just saw a couple of banks fail. Not, not small banks, sizable banks, like big banks fail. And knowing that uh, panic in the American public or even softening further could cause more banking issues, right? And, um, but yet we raise rates another quarter percent, uh, steady as she goes, just keep, keep plowing ahead, you know, just trying to keep knocking inflation down, you know? And then Redfin comes out uh, yesterday and says they believe that we'll be back down on the 6%, uh, you know, range by the end of this year. And I'm like, man, what is going on? You know, it's like all this like interesting, just, uh, you know, undulation of the market. And so what, what's your take, number one, on the banking industry, number two, where the Fed's going, you know, and how does that correlate? Man, there's a lot, that's a lot, and there's a lot going on. So let me think about this. My take on the banking industry, we're starting to see some of the long-term effects mm-hmm. that um, really came 
really, I, to be really honest with you, it goes back to the 2008 crisis. Mm -hmm. The new levers that were pulled at that time, mm -hmm. and if you remember TARP, Troubled Asset Relief yes. Program for right. banks, right? Mm -hmm. Where everybody but JP Morgan needed money. Right. And um, Jamie Dimon, he's really proud of that. Right. Yeah. So, um, heard, it, heard it lots of times. Lots of times. Yeah. You make sure everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a badge for right. him. But uh, no, I, I think these were, we invented some new stuff at that mm -hmm. time, quantitative easing, all mm -hmm. these things. So what's happening now is we're seeing an unwinding of some of those tools mm -hmm. and rapid inflation, which is happening because maybe of what happened during COVID. Sure. Right? So we pumped a lot of money in the markets that was artificial. We basically just created new money. Mm -hmm. And when you create new money, it, it, it literally leads to inflation. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's like a, uh, what was it, Morton Friedman, he talks about this incessantly. It's like, this is how inflation occurs. Right. Consumers do not create inflation. Right. The government creates inflation. Right. Sure. So you've got different levers that we've never really used before. You've got uh, a large existential crisis that was COVID that gave you know, monetary policy an excuse to turn to rapid inflation. Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing the government try to respond. Mm -hmm. When you start to look at all of this stuff at the same time, it's put Jerome Powell in a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. He has a, the big lever, right? right? The big lever is just interest rate. Right. And the problem is um, when he increases rates, it's supposed to slow inflation. But also when they increase rates too fast, something else happens that probably a lot of people were not paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And that's looking at um, basically long-term investment bonds that mm -hmm. banks traditionally use sure. whenever they're trying to tie up their capital. Mm -hmm. Now the interesting thing is, is who's being affected right now? Mm -hmm. Start looking at the banks that are having trouble, right? Silicon Valley Bank or mm -hmm. SVB Bank, whatever you want to call it. Um, you look at Credit, Credit Suisse, Suisse yeah. Signature Bank, Sign yeah. First Republic. Right. These are all banks that locked up effectively. Right. And you start going, why? And the answer really is in their balance sheet. Mm -hmm. When you look at their balance sheet, if you know what to look for, you sure. go, oh, I see why. Yeah. And so I think what's happening yet again is the regulators are going to say, oh, we can't allow banks to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And they're going to put new restrictions in place, yeah. which is causing all of the uncertainty in the marketplace right now by bankers. So mm -hmm. what do bankers do? Which tend to be conservative, they're pulling back on everything right now right. and saying, we're going to have to hold on because we're not really sure what's about to happen to mm -hmm. us. So that's my short take on yeah. how we got where we are today. Um, but I'd love to dive down any of those roads that you want to yeah, go Yeah, I mean, it's also fascinating to me because it's like, you're talking about the levers that are being pulled, right? And what's fascinating to me is like, I, I mean, most people, you ask them, what is the reason the Federal Reserve exists? They would say, well, to counter inflation or whatever, control inflation. Mm -hmm. And it might be deeper than that. It might be actually just to protect the American dollar, right? Like that might be the actual very bottom basement. Like this is like, they're just protecting the American dollar. I 100% agree with you, yeah. by the way. And so <laughs> um, when I watch what they're doing, it, it's also, um, opening some new doors and maybe some new levers that could be pulled. Um, I like your take on the, that there might be new regulation. I mean, so we saw Dodd-Frank, then we saw the Dodd-Frank, you know, I saw on the subcommittee that um, modified Dodd-Frank, which really, I was point number three, which was what, you know, what standards or what um, liability can a, tank, a bank take on in their investment. Right. That would be the point that actually would have to get modified, yes. right, in, in what you're talking about, which would be fascinating. Um, but then also, like, there's this underlying, like, feeling about, you know, just change. And so, like, I've heard every, everything from this is going to bring in the new era of cryptocurrency or some sort of digital currency. I've heard um, that there's an intentionality to this because a recession would be good um, because 
uh, all of the liquidity that's sitting on the sidelines is not getting yield. And we know in recessive activity, that's where they're going to find yield. Like they're mm -hmm. going to find deals and opportunity. And so it's just like this, I don't know, it just seems like muddy, right? Like it feels like there's way too many dials and levers being t turned all at the same time. Mm -hmm. But there's these like commonalities between all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I do see a lot of that. I, but I want to also stress that some people are self-affected, right. meaning like they truly should not have been impacted, but they're choosing to be. Sure. Um, a good example might be community banks. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of community banks, big advocate. Uh, I do a lot of banking with community banks. Most community banks are not affected by right. what's going on other than rates just rising and sure. of course that changing a little bit of what they borrow mm -hmm. at the window rate, right? So, but they're still being super ultra conservative suddenly, mm -hmm. even though nothing has changed for them. Yeah. And it's an anticipation of the change, mm -hmm. right? Now that's not healthy. You know, that's actually harming customer relationships, deal right. flow, what should be happening. Right. I get it if the bank locks up. And by the way, I, I do have a company right now. Um, here we are on day, today's day, what is it? Um, to 10 maybe yeah. since it happened, yeah. right? Since yeah. Silicon Valley kind of locked up and the feds mm -hmm. walked in. Yeah. And so we're over a week out. And one of my companies still has capital that's locked up in a bank. Mm -hmm. I won't say the bank's name, yeah. um, you know, but that is still going on. But the mm -hmm. community banks, they're not affected. They're not right. locked up. Right. The other thing that's happening, though, that I think is um, we're talking about these other levels and unintended consequences. And to believe, believe it or not, Janet Yellen got put on the spot for this mm -hmm. just yeah. recently. But we're talking about massive amounts of capital leaving community banking and right. going to the big banks because they're basically saying, look, the big banks are too big to fail. They're going to get a bailout. Yeah. Maybe not my community bank. So yeah. how about all my deposits need to be under $250,000? Yeah. They're, they're calling it fear flight. You know, it's and like, it's very yeah. real. I, yeah. I have shepherded, I'm not kidding you, maybe two dozen new account creations at various community mm -hmm. banks because I've had investors and business partners basically insist that we move capital and yeah. disperse it. Yeah. And that is that is not a conspiracy theory. There is real data. You can mm -hmm. look at it and see it happening right now. Well, I think the it's average guy that's running a business, like I thought, I called my CFO and I said, "How we use, um, we use a community bank for all of our local banking. And so my lines of credit, all that type of stuff for my private equity side. And then I've got my JP Morgan relationship and stuff like mm -hmm. that, and the private banking and all the stuff that I get with them. And I literally said, what's our split between cash that sits in the big bank versus cash that sits in the little banks? And, you know, are we diversified? And, you know, like, and then I literally made, you know, a couple of just large moves to just make sure that I was spread out, that right. I had access to capital. I right. wasn't so worried about preservation um, because I, I think it all is a balance sheet issue. You yeah. know, a run on a bank is, is fear, but fear is typically driven by something, sure. you know? And so we, we did spread some stuff out, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to put it all into JP Morgan, you know, just because I think this small community bank is the one that's yeah. going to fail. But so I, I agree with you, but it, it, it is fascinating because there are lever, levers that are, let, let me ask you, let me give you this scenario. So interest rates rise again. And let's say, let's say steady as she goes, and she literally, they, they raise rates again, like this summer or something. Um, and it causes consumer panic or consumer frustration or consumer pullback. Um, and the small banks are so reliant on lending, you know, lending to consumers. Mm -hmm. Like as a typically, you know, a third of, of their of, of their capital source and you know, their a third of their revenue. And uh, depending on what their style is, but. Um, 
now they've lost it. So it's going to affect it's going to affect how liquid the bank is. It's going to affect their balance sheet. It's going to affect how they look on paper. Is this another domino that's going to fall? It really could be. Um, I don't have the data yet, but I'll tell you what I'm seeing um, on the front lines. I'm seeing a lot of the end buyers in some of these real estate projects that didn't lock their rates mm -hmm. in yeah. cancel their contracts. So you're seeing a, a market shift right now, but I am seeing a lot of those deals just get scooped up by the next guy. Right. So let me tell you this, for every deal that I see fall apart because someone got beaten up by the rates, mm -hmm. I am seeing a cash buyer jump on the yeah. scene right. and gobble it up quickly. Yeah. One of my larger investors, he's it's an interesting guy. He's one of the few people I know that has four bona fide passports from four different countries. Mm -hmm. Fascinating story. I talked to him today while I was driving here, and um, he's he's a buyer suddenly, mm -hmm. an aggressive buyer, and he's all cash, and he is just he is the shark fin has come out, mm -hmm. and he is hunting for deal flow right mm -hmm. now. So I do think it's a little early to see if there's another domino that's happening right yeah. now, but I I think there's a significant amount of disruption in the buying pool. Mm -hmm. So yes, to the people who think. The conspiracy theorists who think, well, oh, this is how we're getting all the cash back in the market, yeah. maybe, but it's going into a lot of tangible assets. Right. Um, to the, the crypto advocacy guys, I'm still not a fan. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I get it. But, but all the way back to what you said, the Fed was created to protect the dollar, um, for me, without question. But I don't envy um, you know, Fed Chair Powell because think about what he's got. He's like, if I pull the lever this way, mm -hmm. I harm consumers. If I pull the lever this way, I harm the banks. I, right. What do I do? I think if we hadn't had this crisis, it would have been another 50 points. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they would have started looking out to next year because right. if you read the notes, that's what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. The fact that they went down to a quarter of a point, I, I'm not a crystal ball guy very often, but I think that it'll be, we're gonna hold steady by the end of the third quarter. Yeah. It's gonna be super fast. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a, maybe a nod to those that are thinking that the 30 year rates are gonna start to fall rapidly. Right. If they see this and it consistently starts to take off, uh, they're gonna look at that you know, 30 year T-bill and go like, or the 10 year T-bill and say, this is, this is significant change in the markets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, and there, there are still dominoes to fall. You know, we have to see what inflation does in reaction to this new increase. And it'll take a little while for that to kind of show itself. But if inflation does, to some degree, get within their window of, of desired amounts, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And then if, if we see that 30-year begin to fall, there's, we still have economic pressures that are, which, you know, not enough supply, you know, right. it's like we're six and a half million homes underbuilt and, you know, we need a 1.8 million built just to keep up with um, a population growth. Last year, we only built like 105 or 1.5 million. And this year they're saying that if we stay on pace with um, building permits, we're only going to build somewhere between 1.2 and 1.3. Our deficit is growing. And it's like, so is it a frenzy that comes on the backside of this? You know, mm -hmm. like it's super fascinating because I don't, I don't, it's like there's way too many dials, way too many moving parts. And so trying to dissect down which ones have the most impact or the most pressure um, is difficult. It's very difficult when you think about the different um, dials. And then I think it's just as difficult to look at the outcomes, who yeah. is going to be affected and who is going to take advantage of the situation. Yeah. I do think that there's a possibility you see um, more of a separation of kind of a have and have not. Mm, yeah. I think those with money take advantage of the situation and those without it further get depressed and that. And that's, that's um, depending on who you are, that's a depressing yeah. thought, you yeah. know? Um, so I think it, the outcomes are gonna be fascinating as well over the next it, few years. And it could look like European economics, right? Like yes. where essentially it's the separation of the higher class and the lower class and there is no middle class. 
and 50% of all real estate is owned by institutions. You know, yeah. like it, we could have a more of a European economics, you know, outlook. In, That's very in real. Year. That's yeah. a very real possibility for the future yeah. of the United States. Yeah, for sure. And it, in Lawrence Yoon, the uh, chief economist for NAR, uh, and I kind of took him on a little bit on, on LinkedIn um, because he came out in uh, strongly against um, against the build to rent communities and mm. institutions creating it. And he was like, you're creating this chasm, you know? And for me, it's like, I'm not a, I don't feel like we should run from things. I think we should run to things. Like I, it's not my style. I feel like you lose momentum when you begin to avoid things or run from things. I feel like energy shifts, momentum begins to eat you. Like, it's just like, I, I feel like I have to pursue, never run from, you know? And so like I look at these situations and I go, no, we need policy. We need opportunities to like, if you want more homes, incentivize the builders. If you sure. want more buyers, incentivize the buyers, like create programs that get you what you want. Like don't start limiting all of this other activity that's still beneficial. Mm -hmm. You know, like we still have just as high rent demand as we do purchase demand. We still have just as many, you know, housing. We have such a, a housing deficit even on the rental side. And so it's like, so you're going to stop all of that. And mm -hmm. then you're just going to create, you're going to create the adverse effect. It's just going to drive more demand on this side, which is going to drive appreciation. You know, it's yeah. like, and it's, it's super fascinating. I mean, obviously I, I, what I love is when people, like I, I was reading on my phone between podcasts today, people just tearing down the Fed, you know, like and acting as if these people are ignorant. Like these people have access to data that we can only dream of. And these are brilliant people. They're not, they're not slouches. They understand the economics of our nation far greater than most people ever could comprehend. And they're dealing with these micro minute dials that are having these effects. And like you said, it looks like this big giant lever, but it's like, they're looking at massive amounts yeah. of data trying to, trying to, you know, look through this. And so, I mean, your, your outlook, you, are you bearish, bullish? Do you feel like, you know, cause I, I'm still charging in right now. Like I still think that economics still play in my favor when it comes to purchasing real estate. I'm not super happy with uh, the protection that I have of my uh, cash sitting in banks, um, both for inflation and for safety of, of banks. I mean, we're doing a bunch of things to offset that. Um, hard assets, you know, you go back to the Great Depression, the people that ended up coming out of the Great Depression wealthy were the ones that sat on hard assets, um, not stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you know, it's like, and so when I look at this, I'm, I'm still kind of bullish, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm still buying, I'm still building, you know, what, what, where are you at? Yeah, so I will, in a weird way, always be bullish. Yeah. Um, as you know, I work with a lot of family offices, so the horizon for myself and for them is much longer, right? You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, what do you think that property will be worth? It's like in, a generational horizon. Yeah, it's like, right? what's it worth yeah. in a hundred years? Right. It's like, is it a good deal for today? Of course it is. Yeah, you know, um, could I put my money somewhere else that would have beat that return? Maybe, but would it have a, a hard asset backing it? Yeah, that you know is really difficult to lose a substantial amount of its value. Mm -hmm. That's the the yeah. part. You know, it's the best combination between something relatively safe that also appreciates over time yeah. and provides you an opportunity to earn cash flow. Yeah. Like show me the things that have all three of those that right. also last 
forever yeah. and can be intergenerational. Right. There's just not many assets that are like that. Yeah. Uh, but more on a realistic level, if you're like just getting into real estate or you know maybe this is your first Think Realty conference, you know is now a good time to get in. I think there's always good deals. You just have to know how to underwrite deals right. and find the good ones. Yeah. Even when things are just going crazy, I don't advocate being sloppy and buying just any deal. Right. Right. I always want to see <clears throat> the fundamentals underneath. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I still think it's a great time to be buying. Yeah. And I am I am a buyer, so I'm in. Yeah, and I think that you know to second that it's like, and if you are a novice, like it is a you're not just going to stub your toe in this market. It's going to be painful, you know it's best to attach to those that understand the economics of what's going on, that have enough liquidity to weather storms, that understand how to underwrite deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've told so many people that have come to conferences recently when they're like, should I, is this a flip, fix and flip market? Is this a buy and hold market? I'm like, <laughs> this is a probably, if you're accredited, maybe you should just get in as a as syndicate and to somebody that actually has underwritten, you know, written yeah. deals for 10, 15, 20 years and watch how the economics of this play out because, um, you know, it's it's market by market specific, it's asset by asset specific, you know, and it is difficult. You yeah, know? I, I get that question a lot too. And just basically tell me how do I get into that industry, right? Yeah. Whether it's real estate, private equity, whatever. And my answer is, is uh, just two answers. If you want to work, like really work, mm-hmm. then like literally go work for someone for a little yeah, while before right. you go do your own deal. Um, if you want to invest and you want to learn, mm-hmm. uh, then get in someone's fund or do a syndicated yeah. deal right. or do a JV or whatever that might look like. But yeah. pair up with someone Somebody that will pull back the curtains and show you how yeah. it works. And yeah. maybe mentor you. That's yeah. great too. You can yeah. be an investor and learning at the same time all day. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, we're out of time. That was super Always fast fun. and really, really good. Yeah. How do they connect with you? Are you like pretty active on social? I am active on social. You can always find me at Chris Ragland on okay. Twitter. You can find me at chrisragland.com. Okay. Very cool. If you want to pick a fight with him on Twitter, <laughs> just pick a couple topics he doesn't like. Give him a hard time. It'll be fun. Thank you guys so much for watching and taking some time out of your day to be a part of our world and allowing us to be a part of yours. And thank you to Real Property Management for being our podcast sponsor again today. Go to Real Property MGT. Real Property MGT, show them some support. Let them uh, give you a quote on your properties and see if maybe they would uh, uh, solve some of your uh, property management issues. Uh, I highly recommend them. And if you haven't bought your Tampa tickets, one of the hottest markets in real estate today in the United States is Tampa. And we've got an event there July 13th and 14th. And you can use the, the code podcast and it'll give you a buy one, get one free on tickets. We'd love for you to come grab your spouse, your neighbor, business partner, uh, or like me, I try to get my kids involved, bring, bring a son or a daughter to the event. And uh, let's have conversations about real estate. You can find capital there, you can find deals there, you can find investment strategy there, and uh, you'll find all of our resident experts there as well. So uh, we hope to see you in Tampa. Go on to thinkreally.com, buy a ticket, and we'll see you there.